Hello, welcome, and thanks for listening to Crimes of the Basque Lands. A quick content warning, this podcast details crimes and descriptions of violence that may be disturbing or triggering. It may not be suitable for all listeners. We'll do our best to warn listeners about what to expect before each episode and to include them in our show notes. So enjoy the show. What's your back? What's your back? And a chance is gonna get you what you back. What's your back? A chance is gonna get you what you back. What's your back? There's a chance is gonna get you what you back. It's a coming from me. Just a Hi, Douglas. Hi, Julie. How you doing? Good. How are you doing? We're doing great. Thanks. Welcome to Crimes of the Bastlands. That's us. We have guests today. Yes. Very exciting. Very exciting. Should we introduce our guests? Yes. It's Inigo. Hey, hi. hi for having, thank you for having me. And hey. Ramon. Hey, guys. Thank you for having me. Yes. Hey. And today we're drinking, you're drinking a... A chocolate. Yeah. Atalde, yes. Which we've had before. It's from Gitaria. Yeah. And, uh, and it's quite tasty and very refreshing. It is, it is. Perfect for spring. Yeah, and our friend Ramon was telling us it's probably next to the rocks, right? Yeah, the meaning we are thinking Aitzalde. now that it's Gitaria, like Gitaria is like tucked against a rock mountainside. Rocky coast. Yeah, you have to go through some small tunnels in the way there. Mm. So it's probably what it is. Mm. Makes sense. Very, very atmospheric. I like the description. Well, this is uh, Crimes of the Basquelands. So we talk about any crimes, any and all crimes that are either in the Basque country or... Related to Basque country in any way whatsoever. Yes. Any tenuous link. Very tenuous. Yeah. It could be a Basque person living elsewhere that committed a crime or was the victim of a crime or anything. We're learning about crimes and the Basque country. Yeah. <laughs> Our story today is, uh, well, the title is Montejura, which you guys will probably have seen in the title. It's the name Montejura. of a little mountain. Okay. And I actually thought you might know it because it's, it's three kilometers from Estella in Navarra. Uh, oh, yeah. In Estella Navarra, in Navarra. Mm-hmm. Which is where your husband is from, right? Well, His he's family. not from there, but yes, he has family from... Um, Oh my God, am I going to try to remember around the name of the there. town? Yeah. Around there. <laughs> On the spot, can't remember the name. It's all good. It's all good. It's all good. But, but they have a lot of connections to a state yet because my husband did live there. This time, Douglas is going to tell me the story. It is. It's me. It's, I'm super uh, excited. And Ramon and Inigo are going to tell me a story. Indeed. And, and, and you guys may be asking yourselves, why guests now, right? And I think, why not? We, Why not? We're always. I think we're we're trying to to understand a bit more about uh, the Basque country and how things happen here. As we are not actually from here. Exactly. We've been here from some time, but these yeah. guys have been here for longer. For their lives. Indeed. Their whole lives. And I think that that kind of context is going to work well in this story because it's so much. It's very political. Okay. Lots of names. So ask if you're not following. I will. You're I'll there. We have a lot of questions. You're there for the listeners. Yeah. Okay. So, the Carlists is one of the big themes of today's uh, story. Mm-hmm. Carlismo, Carlistas, Carlists, and we may ask ourselves who these guys are, right? Mm-hmm. And I think I'm, I'm going to just 
Well, let me put a bit more context. So the Carlist, that's important for our story. And why did I say Montejura? Montejura is this mountain just south of Estella. And it's a place where every year the Carlists gather to remember their dead people in war. So okay. the Carlist is a political party. We'll get into it when we'll look a little bit uh, more specifically about who they are now in, in a little bit. But so they go, they, they, they're um, a group, a party. They're still a party, a political party today. And uh, the Carlist Wars began in the 1830s. So it's 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 quite a long time ago, a long party. And they went, they go up this mountain and it's a very conservative group. So it's very religious. They're very Christian in general. Mm. We're going to see there's complications to the story. It's okay. not so simple. And they go up this mountain and they kind of have a mass to remember the dead that fought for the valleys that they believe in. The fallen soldiers. Exactly. And uh, the story we are, we're going to be thinking about happened in 1976, right in the middle of transition between. Uh, so transition, as we call here, is the situation between uh, the death of Franco and, between, and, and becoming the, a democracy, democracy in a way. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So it's right in the middle. And I think it's a great occasion for us to kind of think about the context and what was happening around that. Yeah, for sure. So the first um, uh, Carlist War was 1833 mm -hmm. to 1840. Second Carlist War, 1846 to 49. Um, uh, then third Carlist War, 1872. It doesn't say a finishing date. I'm not sure if it was, was very it long. Right? Yeah, right. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I believe so. Yeah. Well yeah. done. Well Four done. Well, these are the three Carlist, the wars that are known as Carlist Wars. And I just wanted to um, highlight a bit of, of, of the context of why, who these people are. Why Carlists, right? Not to our extent, but no. end of 18th century, Spain is in turmoil. Uh, finances have gone poorly wrong. And mm -hmm. uh, there are uprisings in the streets against the ministers of the king. At the time, the country was an, uh, an absolute monarchy, uh, but a lot of the, the king at the time delegated a lot of the power in his ministers, which were were in very poor regard by the populace mm. in general. Mm. Um, then, in the context of all, of all this, with the American colonies already, already starting to shaking up and coming to life and thinking of independence, mm. uh, in comes uh, Napoleon and his armies uh, in invading Spain and setting a one of Napoleon's brothers, I believe it was, as yeah, the king, Jose I, would have been, Jose mm, the first. Right. Um, uh, then, well, Napoleon loses that war. Uh, the first major uh, land uh, defeat, I believe, happens in Spain, in mm. fact, uh, in Bailen. Then, uh, in comes the son of last king, which, if I remember correctly, Carlos, Carlos the Fourth. Okay, yes, yes. Then yes. his son Fernando the Seventh, Fernando Septimo, would roll in, and would need to. So uh, before that, a constitution had been passed uh, on liberal uh, political thinking grounds, mm. uh, with the key. Uh, element of it being the modern idea of the constitution where the nation of Spain is declared as such mm. and made 
the subject of sovereignty for the country mm. instead of just the previously the existing monarchy, which was absolute by divine right, and the people had nothing to say about it. Mm. Mm. Um, so Fernando VII, Fernando Seventh, when he comes back into the country, he's faced with the decision of what model of the country does he want to go with, mm. and he opts for absolute monarchy. Mm -hmm. Okay. At one point, I believe he was deposed and then came back. Uh, ten years after his return, which were absolute hardline uh, absolute monarchy, then Fernando VII dies in 1833, I believe it was, after the ten years yeah, of absolute sure. monarchy, yeah. which were became known as the Decada Ominosa, if I recall correctly. Yeah. What yeah. does that mean? The ominous... Uh, an absolutist decade. Like something yeah. really grim and, you know... <laughs> okay. Never heard that one. That's an dark interesting time. one. Yes, the Dark Ages Can you tell, say it again? What was that? La Decada Ominosa. Of course, of course the, it was... The ominous decade. Of course it was... Ominous decade. Of course it was a decade that was dark from the perspectives of the liberals. I mean, not yes, from the yes, yes, of yes, yes. Of course, yes. yes. <laughs> the people yeah. that were oppressed yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> called it the ominous The 1% were happy. <laughs> so then... Yeah. After Fernando VII dies, there is a com two competing claims for the throne, which are his daughter, Isab which would be Isabel I. The, Isabel, Isabel the first, Isabel or the first. Elizabeth? Isabel the second, of course. Yes. Isabel the second, sorry about that. And okay. a competing claim from uh, the dead king's brother, Carlos Maria Isidro. Right. In the meantime, it is also important to say that the, the, the late king, Fernando VII, or Fernando VII, yeah. had passed a pragmatic sanction, kind of a royal decree, saying that uh, a woman could inherit the throne of Spain. My understanding of it is that Spanish royal law, if there's such a thing, yeah. Uh, <laughs> accept queens as yeah. rulers. Yeah. Yeah. But not the tradition of the family of Bourbon. Exactly. Right. French. So Bourbon. from their origins in France, yeah. they had inherited the Salic law, which states that no female exactly. can be which is more ruling queen. So the pragmatic sanction coming from Fernand VII, what it had done is it had abolished the uh, Salic law. Yeah. And, and then yeah, that was the origin of them. Makes it so Spanish tradition has preference over family tradition in that sense. Mm -hmm. Okay, and therefore, yeah, okay. the tradition, the tra the, tra the monarchy, monarchical tradition of mm -hmm. Spain, where women could be queens and mm -hmm. rule, as opposed to the tradition of the family itself, which didn't accept females as or women as rulers as mm -hmm. queens. Right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. they wouldn't be eligible. So whichever of the two sides of you take of this um, ruling, Argument. whether you accept it or re reject it, mm -hmm. determines which one is, in your eyes, the rightful heir. Exactly. And the Carlists chose Carlos. Hence the name. Hence, right. the, hence the name. And they just stuck with that name because whoever descended from Carlos is who they want, even though they're fighting you know, for Javier and later. for Sixto, yeah. for many kings, uh, the names of which were never um, Carlos, right? That's true. Yes. Yeah, some Carlos. Yeah. Yeah. Some Carlos. <laughs> Carlos Hugo, exactly. of which we will be talking about yeah, later. That's Sorry. the thing. They, the Carlistas would speak of their aspirants, aspirant kings, with the full designation or the full name, like Carlos VII, Charles VII. Yes, they count. As they saw them as rightful kings, therefore you 
address them as such. And all have fashioned this, you know, <laughs> the way of calling so that, themselves. That's part of it, and that's, of course, one of the reasons behind the eruption of the first Carlist War, and then, of course, the Carlist War that came after it. But also, apart this dynastical problem, there was a huge array of ideological differences between the people defending the, the right of Isabel and people defending Carlos. Yes. One being the conception of the monarchy that each band will defend. Exactly. The Carlists will be defenders of the ancien regime, the, uh, a conception of the absolute monarchy more in line with what uh, things have... Yes, right? yes, yes, divine right and a strong sense of um, the importance of political Catholicism even though, of course, the liberals, namely those that defended Isabel II, uh, were also Catholic. Uh, but in a, <laughs> yeah. because it was, the, it was the 19th century, anyway. Yeah. I think that what is important for our listeners to keep in mind is that Carlismo was just one example and illustration of uh, a further movement that happened in the whole of Europe of the ancient regime resisting to die. Yeah, the counter-revolution. Yes. Mm-hmm. Resisting the death of the monarchy. The death of the yeah. absolute monarchy, the death okay. of the type of social system that had for many centuries existed in Europe prior to the French Revolution and to right. the revolution yeah. that came after it. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, it is important to say that, and I think this has already been mentioned, that during the, the, the Civil War, uh, the Carlists fight in the end on Franco's side. Right, they did. The, and and uh, this uh, and they win. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But they but they also and they, they, they did the Carlistas yeah. were like pro Franco. Yeah. Pro conservatism. Yeah. Catholicism. Yeah. Really, I think one of I, I clearly it's not one of them only, but uh, and then one who of, would be the left? Who would liberals, be the people who at that point were fighting for republicanism. Liberals, communists, socialists, mm. anarchists, you name it, you have it. Also, bas nationalists. And they refer to themselves as the republic. Well, well, because it was a republic. There was yes. a republic yeah. where those you would say parties so. existed. Yeah. It's, it's, mm. it's, yeah. So the, the, the republican side of the civil war was very, very plural and very fraction. Yeah. So was the national, so-called, the so-called national Nos side. Yeah. I mean, proof to that is that one of the first things that uh, Franco did was to impose on the Carlis a unification with the Falangist. Wait. La Falange. Falange. La Falange. Oh. Was, the... was a, was a fascist. In English? Phalanx. Phalanx. Phalanx, really? Yeah, like, Phalanx. The, like the Greek uh, military formation. Yeah. And, and how would you define the... them? So, so they so... were, in a way, a sort of much like the Nazi party in mm-hmm. Germany, a, na- a nationalist, socialist, uh, in sense, party, meaning f- focusing a lot more than in socialism itself in a centralized, self-autonomous country and closed economy. Eventually what happens is that uh, Franco, once the war is over, and the time comes for every- when everybody comes to you looking for their piece of the pie, uh, Franco kind of, in a way, betrays the Carlistas. And the Falangistas. And the Falangistas yeah. both, mm-hmm. by rolling them into a single party. Right. And, uh, where not, they could bicker and fight each other. Nor, nor the Carlists, neither the Falangists were very happy about this. No, no. no. Yeah. it was, yeah. it was yeah. only Franco's win, yeah. essentially. 
That's part of the this yes. impression of um, yeah. Th there's a frustration within the Carlist party, and I think this is going to be important for our story. Right, right. Okay. So we're we're we saw how the Carlism formed in the nineteenth century, and then how it progressed throughout the years. You know, yeah. they constantly fighting for you know the fueros uh, local rights for this king and and then what their position was within the franco dictatorship. finally yeah, yeah they they went with franco in 37 and then they're they're brought into the government and then we're gonna continue soon okay so a what a break. great historical background Appreciate should we take a break we yeah. are taking a break okay let's do it And we're back. Yes. So we were talking a little bit about um, um, the Carlists being brought into uh, the Francoist government after they won uh, the Civil War mm -hmm. in 1937. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were actually included in a government, right? They were actually joined with the phalangists we mentioned that as well they were considered part of the francoist regime okay and so they had uh, coming up really up to our uh, story they had this commemoration every year mm -hmm. where they would commemorate their, the dead in those three wars, perhaps four, we were saying... Including the civil war, yeah. If you, exactly. yeah, if you if consider three, yeah. one of them. Yeah. The Carlists themselves, we were saying... No, but certainly the, the tribute that. that they they were paying, and they still pay yearly, to their mm -hmm. death in Montejurra includes the... Oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the civil war, of course, yes. yeah. yeah. Include the, the civil war, okay. Yeah. yeah. It's like the fourth Carlist war, okay. Yeah. At some point, Franco was going to decide who was going to be the king of Spain. Okay. And it's between Juan Carlos That's and right. Carlos Hugo Borbon Parma. And at some point, uh, Franco um, ruled Juan de Borbon out entirely because uh, Juan de Borbon and his um, acolytes uh, were conspiring with the Allies and with the Americans and with the Socialist Party of Spain uh, to form a block, uh, a political block in opposition to Franco. And then after that, uh, Carlos Hugo had his great opportunity. Uh, there was a certain moment in which Franco seemed to be leaning toward that guy. Mm -hmm. But after a while, he in the end decided that uh, he, he was going to be Juan Carlos. In the meanwhile, uh, Juan, Juan Carlos, who then would be Juan Carlos the first king of Spain, a young man, an was, was Franco's ward. It's a son of a defeated king who then moves to live with the family of the victors, and therefore is kind of captive a there. A ward of the state. Yeah. yeah. There, yeah, it's captive there. They train him. They send, in the case of Juan Carlos, they put him through schools. Then they send him to the navy and the, I believe, the air force. I don't know. Mm -hmm. They put the man through quite a bit of military training. They were always very on top of him. Of you know his you every every statement, those. every press, anything was tightly controlled by the regime. So it was essentially a captive. So after uh, Franco chooses Juan Carlos as king. Yes, mm -hmm. as a successor. Sorry. Yes, and not on this. Also, it needs yes. to be mentioned that Franco choosing Juan Carlos is a deliberate break in the legitimate uh, 
like yeah. line of the line of, line of, succession of the throne, of right? the house of Bourbon. It should have been Juan, Juan de Bourbon, yes. in a way, yes. the father. Yeah, attack. Yeah, well, it's a it's a slight to the to the institution of the monarchy in a way. Okay, and, and, well, and to Juan de Bourbon, of course. Franco chooses Juan Carlos. Yes, which makes uh, Carlos Hugo de Bourbon Parma kind of you know a free agent now. He's not going to be king. And so he more uh, confidently turns to the left, more liberal. And he continues going to the mass every year uh, okay. in uh, Montejurra. In exactly. I was uh, just going to add to, to your point of mm. this mountain being important. It's important and significant, especially because some battles in, the, in all the Carlist War were fought. Around there, yes, yeah, and it, which is why they chose it as a place yeah, to commemorate. It's a, it's a very, it's very much of a symbol, very meaningful. Yes, whole... yes, mm-hmm. and yeah. So you know, they're going up there. They're they're commemorating, and we're now coming up to the the nineteen seventy the seventies. Yeah, seventy six. Yes, and uh, Carlos Hugo de Bourbon Parma, the guy who didn't get the. The crown is is going now. He's married with Princess Irene of Holland. They're going to meet at the monastery of Irache, which is just at the feet of at the base of at the base of the mountain. And uh, however, as we have been highlighting, there have been schisms within uh, the Carlist uh, movement. Movement, yeah. yeah. And so there are people who are very unhappy that Carlos Hugo. Up has become so leftist. So there was a sense of hostility yes. between these two Carlist families. Absolutely. And w- to the point where uh, these guys, the what were they called? The eh, Comunión Tradicionalista or yes. tra- Tradicionalist Communion. The, yeah. cr- the Tradición Comunista. They choose Sixto, Sixto. Enrique de Bourbon, uh, Carlos Hugo de Bourbon Parma's brother, yeah. as the rightful heir. Of the throne. Of the throne. This is what got me into this story. Okay. Ramon sent me this video. Okay. And it's like there's colored cameras. It's 1976, and we're seeing these technicolor people going <laughs> up a mountain, and it's crazy because, you know, there's just like they're just filming people, and they're they're all like with icurinhas, which are the Basque flag, screaming, you know. Gore Euskadi, Ascatuta, free, uh, hurrah to a free Basque country. Uh And, you know, during, you know, it's 76, so this is one year, well, it's it's months. So Franco died in uh, 20th of November. And that was in May. It was the 9th of, uh, 10th of May. So the end of 75 and then 76 was the first year. Yeah, a very confused country. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Infighting, uncertainty. There were... Uh, strikes across the country. Everybody was like, "What Eta is, is active going on? during this this time?" And oh, everyone! Is. Yeah, it's, mm-hmm. there's there's literally tens of active. There is uh, a lot at stake, right? Like, groups. there's mm-hmm. a lot of power. Of them, Not only Eta, yes, yeah. Frap and others. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Tens, there's tens a lot of, at stake. Literally tens of armed terrorist groups of all varieties and all uh, political ideas, mm. a lot of foreign mercenaries. Tons of layers, political instability, 
and these two ex-pretendants, maybe pretendants of the crown, one with his princess going up a mountain. Is it exciting? We're all of them going up the mountain. Yeah. Like, literally. Yeah, yes. literally. literally. They're all, they're all going three up Three kilometers from Estella, right? So these guys are all, all these people are doing this ritual going up the mountain. Yeah. Yes. And it's gonna, all hell's gonna break loose at the top Two of people the are gonna die. Okay, I'm excited. Okay, all right, mess. let's take a quick, break. Quick break, yeah, guys. We'll be back in a second. Hey, we're back. Yes. And so let's give a little recap. We okay. we I need a recap. Right. It's it's a lot of information. I know guys, I just wanted to use this first to learn a little bit about Carlism. Yeah. And yeah, you very know, interesting. Internal Spanish politics and the place of the Basque country and, mm -hmm. and a little bit I thought that was an interesting topic. Yeah. With the excuse of this this crime. So we are uh we had franco choose between two possible kings mm -hmm. he uh, in the end uh, didn't choose uh carlos ugo who is the guy we're gonna follow in our story he's gonna go up the mountain and his brother is gonna be going up the mountain being uh supported by uh the kind of radical right-wingers of the carlists Okay. okay. All right. And then on the other hand, uh, Franco chose uh, Juan Carlos, who did become king. Yep. Uh, he was brought up by Franco in a way. You know, he yeah, he was a ward of the state. He was a ward of the state, <laughs> exactly. And so he was kind of you know ed educated toward this. And after he uh, uh, Juan Carlos was chosen as king, we see that uh, Carlos Hugo, uh, who had already started you know in the 60s already had had contact with uh uh franco and they had gone up uh montejura together mm. he eventually became more freed to become perhaps more honest or evolve in his politics and he became much more liberal much more yeah asking for freedoms and mm -hmm. and he was still going up this mountain he had a different ideology yeah. from franco yeah, and how and and also uh, amongst all those things, we see that this is actually the year, not the exact. Well, it was November seventy five that Franco died, mm -hmm. and this is seventy. This is Six. May seventy six. So this is right in the middle of it all. And yeah. we didn't quite introduce this very structuredly, but you know, this is this is why we're covering this. Franco dies in November twentieth. There's just all sorts of competing, yeah. competing political mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, powers. We're going up the mountain now. It's okay. Montejura. It's uh, on the 9th of May. What has happened is that Sixto, the, the right wing potential Carlists guy, uh, has had a lot of uh, support from the United States politically right um, oh so they were backing him yeah they wanted and him to be king yeah the super, well, not exactly. well no they they wanted to cause problems in europe <laughs> <laughs> and carlos ugo is going up the mountain as he's been doing for years yeah carlos ugo is with his wife at the, at, uh, the monastery of irache mm -hmm. which is at the uh, base at the of base the mountain, of mountain. Mm -hmm. and uh, there's commotion 
there's people start throwing things at uh, the more left leaning Carlistas who are with uh, Carlos Hugo. And it turns out that uh, one of the, this Argentinian guy, Rodolfo Eduardo Amiran, is one of the biggest instigators. It's kind of the guy who's like, you know, directing the kind of let's throw stones. Mm. And eventually, Jose Luis Marin Garcia Verde. Garcia, primo. Garcia Verde shoots uh, somebody in the crowd and uh, they die. Uh, Ricardo Garcia uh, Pallejero. But why were they? What was the so we're, conflict? So we're so. Why were they fighting each other? While Hugo and and everybody were were gathering, the left leaning Carlists were gathering. The right leaning Carlists they start causing problems, and to the extent where they end up shooting a person in the crowds. This shooting happens. There's a shot heard. There's, there's, you can see the film. The guy is being carried away. It's not. I'm not sure you see the actual shot, but you see the guy being carried towards the church and and set next to the church, and they're trying to you know stop his bleeding. Of course, the crowd is clearly asking the police to intervene. Yeah, there's police everywhere. Hmm. What do they say? Estamos bajo órdenes. We're, we're under order. We're under order to not and they're just not, intervene. And but in the end, they you know call an ambulance and everybody decides to go up the mountain anyway. So they all start to go up the mountain anyway, right? Carlos Hugo, his wife, and some priests and everybody, ton of people. And when we see these images, it's it's ridiculous. It's like a me. Uh, what is a medium sized mountain, right? But it's a mountain. Kind of a, and it's got a quite a steep slope. But these you people, have to, like work, they're like to get to the top. Probably 20, 30 people across, kind of just going up the mountain. The whole thing is just people walking up the mountain. You know, it's a mm -hmm. ton. It's a mess. Okay. And so what happens is that on the ninth, the the the, the night before, Sixto and his his quadrilla, his group of friends, <laughs> his uh, bunch of no goods, they went up. With tons of batons. Chili. So they got sent up post. They were there on the 9th. The, on the previous day, Sixto had gone up with his friends. So this is the 10th right. in the morning. And these All guys go up like the lefties, The left wing Carlists are going up. The, and when you start getting up at the top, they start being beaten with Ask batons. Us. And eventually, there start to be lots of sh shooting. Some shots. Um, a number of shots, and eventually somebody shoots with a machine gun, and one guy mm. dies. But there's probably injuries. There were dozens of injuries, mm. and the guy who died at the top of the mountain was Antonio Jimenez Santos. And uh, well, yeah, he was already dead uh, when they were bringing him down, and you can even see that in the images of the video. You can see him being brought down in a one of what you call these stretcher. stretcher. Thank you. So, you know, uh, our feelings got to these two guys' families. And, you know, it's, it's, it's still even controversial. You know, one of them uh, at some point, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not sure which one, but, I, you know, his, uh, some, somebody wanted to put a hat, a boina on the coffin. 
which was apparently a symbol of the Carlists. And his mother was like, no, he wasn't a Carlist. So, you know, just to highlight that there were all these political movements yeah. happening. Maybe he was just more... Uh, his death was even controversial. What was he? Was he yeah. more left-wing? Was he more uh, a Basque nationalist? Was he more yeah. Christian, Catholic? Yeah, so, you know, uh, these are the two deaths uh, mm. at Monte Juran. On that same day, immediately after the shooting at the top of the mountain, Sixto was e escorted away by the police, the one that had support of the United States, apparently. Mm. He was... He was escorted to France very well, you know, keep him safe efficiently, yes, <laughs> without declaring to the police anything. He was just taken. What? Come on, you know, I mean, <laughs> I just to clarify something that is maybe of some importance. Uh, we are, of course, not saying that uh, the United States was interested in. Um, making Sixto the, of, the, the king of Spain. No. That uh, was, of course, not the case. If anything, which is, I agree, not entirely proven, the U.S. would be interested in creating political instability mm -hmm. in certain countries, including Spain. Mm -hmm. What is for sure, however, is that the government of Spain supported Sixto support, Sixto's uh, acolytes yeah. to go to Montejurra yeah. and to defeat. So, Sounds like a mess. It, it just it, sounds like a mess. It is a mess and it's transition. You know, although the police initially did nothing, they eventually do uh, take uh, people into custody. They take uh, this Argentinian guy, Rodolfo Eduardo Amiron, Stefano uh, Dolecchiaie, an Italian anti-communist uh, from an organization, an organization, OTAN. I had never heard of it. And, I thought it was very ironic because it's... OTAN. Yeah, because it's the same as NATO, yeah. NATO in, yeah. in Castilian. It sounds hilarious that, yeah. that NATO, NATO is a terrorist organization. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's uh, José Luis Marín García Verde. Then José Arturo Márquez de Prado. And Francisco Carreras García Mauriño. All these guys were taken into custody, and eventually only the last three, uh, Jose Luis, Jose Arturo, and Francisco Carreras, were deemed to be, you know, more responsible for those two deaths. And there was a law of amnesty, which uh, just excused everybody. <laughs> so amazing. I mean... For sure. Uh, one of the main requests from the transition was that they excuse all the political prisoners, mm, of course. Uh, all the people all the who crimes. are sin, uh, mm -hmm. uh, union leaders, mm -hmm. and there were many of them around this time. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was, uh, and so they did excuse a lot of those people um, and a lot of the political prisoners, including everybody involved in this story. So, uh, yeah, we're, that's the end of the story. <laughs> <laughs> so we, um, okay. you know, we got to the top of the mountain. Uh, uh, Carlos Sixto had been hiding um, with uh, the far right of the Carlists on the top of the mountain to mm. cause problems, to cause chaos and mayhem. 
Yeah. And Carlos Hugo went up uh, at the bottom in the monastery. One person was shot. He was taken to hospital. When they got to the top, there was a lot of mayhem. Somebody uh, in the end of the day. If you think about it, mm-hmm. the operation was designed so they caused chaos at both ends. Yeah. So people had nowhere to go. If you see the footage, this you see mm, people completely there. confused, just standing around, others running upwards, others running yeah. downwards, yeah. people carrying others. It's Not sure what's chaos. going on, yeah. And in the end of much worse, is what I Jose Luis Marin Garcia Verde, uh, who was an ex military guy or it says military, so I'm not sure if he was ex or current, but he was implicated in the shooting of both of them, actually. Uh, even though there was all these foreign mercenaries, the Italians, the Argentinians, mm. you know, in the end, that was it. Uh, and they were, because of that law, they were all excused. So that was the wow. end of this. I just want to, I just want to recognize that in 2018, Podemos and Compromis uh, wanted to cancel the amnesty. Those are two political parties. Yeah. And, and, uh, and they wanted to cancel the amnesty. And PSOE, Pepe, and Ciudadanos were against it. <laughs> Other political parties. Yeah. And also, they're, the Carlists, I forget which year exactly, but they accused the king. Uh, Juan Carlos, the first ex, king, yeah. yeah, the one that's currently considered the ex king, they, they accused him personally of of, of orchestrating this, oh. and they came out and and so it's a mess, right? But did they? We learn wow. well. He they accused and what them, has and come nothing, out of that? Well, just, nothing, just, nothing. Right. They just accused them. So to it's save. mostly an episode about learning about the Carlists, because every mm-hmm. article you read about anywhere, the Spanish history or Basque history, the Carlists are so important. So we learned a lot about them today, I think, even if it was a little bit confusing. It was I, confusing I hope, for me. I hope you guys got... Too much history. But, you know, a politics is confusing. It's not yeah, simple. It is. There's it lots is. of layers. It wasn't... I a didn't lot of really players. know where to start, mm-hmm. so... You know, as long as we and you guys did great, huh? I thank you. <laughs> thank you so thank much you. for yes, all your insight. Yeah, thanks. It was for amazing. It was super fun to have you guys' insights, and it's, it's, I, I think essential. But yeah, should we do a mini crime time? Yes. Okay. I believe our guest Inigo has a mini crime time he wants to share with us. Go for it. All right, Inigo. Yes, I have. I don't know to what extent this even qualifies as crime because uh, doesn't that's matter. why it's a mini crime. It doesn't matter. It is, it is really very puny. <laughs> so you... if our listeners are expecting uh, something spectacular, they are going to be very disappointed. But no problem. I got to say that back in 2018, I think it was, it was around Christmas time. Well, as, as, as by means of introduction, I got to say that I live in Bilbao in the very... Uh, interesting area of San Francisco. <laughs> if you are in Bilbao, that's the right place to be because it is very multiculti and very, very exciting mm-hmm. and very vibrating in many, many ways. And then we have um, we have people from uh, various parts of the globe and we have a very sizable Moroccan community. Okay, that's the introduction. Now, okay. I am not, I'm not blaming anybody here because the only person 
to be blamed of what uh, this crime that I'm going to describe is me myself. So I was uh, <laughs> returning home from from a night out. And then, you know, this uh, effect that alcohol has many times of, you know, of, uh, yeah. lowering, Relativism. of lowering down your level of alertness and everything. So I was approaching home and then there was this guy uh, and then he approaches me and he started speaking in French, which of course I will not be able to understand. And then I said, no, it's going to be Spanish or English. One of the two you decide. <laughs> and, and then uh, in Spanish... He said to me that he was in a very, very bad situation, very problematic situation in which he basically take home message was that he, he needed to call home in Morocco uh, to speak to uh, his mom. And then, of course, I mean, it was Christmas time. I am not going to pretend that I'm the best person in the globe, but if someone is in dire streets, of course, I'm very happy to help and do unto others, etc. Uh, and then I said, oh, of course. I, I did not even think that it was very unlikely that this man was going to call his mom in Morocco at fucking five o'clock in the morning. But oh, yeah. uh, he started dialing. <laughs> but then all of a sudden, he started running very fast. Yeah. And the best thing was that he was running... <laughs> in the direction of my apartment. So I said, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm going to run way. to because uh, best case, worst case scenario, I will I be home. home. And of course, I, I mean, I, there was no way for me to catch him. Wow. Now, you the, reason, the reason I say that it, maybe this does not qualify as crime is because he technically... Because you did technically hand exactly, him your phone. And maybe, I mean, someday this guy will return me my phone after having... No, no, no I, I don't, don't think, think so. so. No. <laughs> I give you some props for being such a nice yeah. guy, like going, oh, pobre. Very like sweet. his, he wants to talk to his mom I was at slightly Christmas. tipsy, and that may have been a factor <laughs> accounting it's... for my niceness, but uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. That was a great, great minute. Yeah, that yeah. was great. Well, guys, that was a great yeah. um, episode. I hope, hope everybody had a good time. Hope See you guys it. next time. Thank we'll be you. here. We bid you agur. Agur. Crimes of the Basque Lands is written and produced by Douglas D. Carvalho, Julie Garcia, and Megan Dooley. The sound and editing for each episode by Douglas D. Carvalho, and Megan Dooley. Theme song written by Douglas D. Carvalho, Julie Garcia, and Megan Dooley. Sung by the choir with no name and produced by Tom Squires. Podcast art by Distinct Signal. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Crimes of the Basque Lands and contact us at crimesofthebasklands at gmail.com with story ideas worldwide which have a connection to the Basque Country or any rave reviews. If you like our podcast, please subscribe, like, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, Agur! agur.